So someone's missing. Where is he? He's got a sick wife. Yeah. Let's take a moment to think about Jake. It's awfully quiet without <laughs> Jake. <laughs> um, it's so very yeah. quiet. It's just me and you today. It is. It is. And uh, yeah, Jake's at home looking after his kid because his wife's sick. And uh, hi, Jake, because you're listening. I can. Hi, Jake. We miss you. It's lonely without you. It is. It's cold in here without you. So, what's been happening? I, I think there was like some sort of... Wasn't it like some sort of conference or something? Yeah, I can't remember its name though. It slipped my mind. <sighs> um, Was it... WWDC? Um, ah, oh, yeah, I was there. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> You've been back for like what? I know, but I'm too lazy to you know, stay awake. <laughs> Sleeping is just so good that I just right. go, uh, 8 o'clock, that'll do. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So, how was it? It was really good, was obviously. It, was it everything you hoped and dreamed? It was probably the best one I've been to. I mean, I was met a whole pile of cool people, and I did a lot more outside of the conference than I have in previous years, okay. so I attended a lot more things. I mean, I was exhausted by the end of the week. Every day sort of started at 8 a.m., and I got back to the hotel Probably earliest around 10 p.m. Most times around midnight. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Lots of good details in the sessions. So what did you think? Well, I mean, I I stayed up for the keynote, uh, like a loyal little Apple fanboy. Uh, stayed up till like what was it, three in the morning? Oh, so you actually stayed awake rather than yeah. rather than waking up early. No, I stayed awake because I was like, three in the morning, I do that on a regular, like, I, I do that all the time. Mm. And then I thought, oh, it'll only go for like an hour. I didn't actually know. Yeah, how long did it go for? Two hours. <laughs> uh, so, by five o'clock, I was pretty tired, but I just went back. I went to bed and didn't get up for until like 11 or so, uh, and I was fine. So, you were on San Francisco time by the sound of it? Roughly, yeah. <laughs> so, that first that first one, I was, I was up and... At it with everybody else. Yeah, so I, I didn't bother queuing up. The queue started, everyone sort of got there around 3.30 in the morning this mm-hmm. time, which is a ridiculous time on Sydney time. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. Like, it, it seemed that, I mean, you ended up lining up really late and you still got into the main room. Yeah, yeah I was. I just made it. I mean, I was in pretty much the back row. But what time did you get there? Like uh, the- 8.30 a.m. Keynote starts at 10 a.m. So, I mean, you were a bit early, but there was nothing. There was nothing crazy. That's I right. mean, those lines, like I, I, I've been hearing about like the lines for for various sessions and the keynote and stuff, That's right. and then like on Twitter and stuff. And then I'm, my first thought is, oh gosh, you you guys don't know what a line is. You haven't been to Comic Con. I don't know. Those lines are pretty big. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, <laughs> here's the thing, and uh, like once you've been to Comic Con, you will never ever. And I know this isn't really topical for a for a uh, development podcast but you know what the heck mm-hmm. uh once you've been to comic con you'll never ever complain about lines again because um to line up for the main hall which is called hall h at uh at, at san diego uh there are people lining up before this the day before has even finished wow which is like six o'clock or something in in the evening which is when all the stuff kind of i mean there were a few guys lining up for the keynote at about 10 a.m. on Sunday. 
So they had 24 hours to go, which yeah. is crazy. And it just looked like they had a couple of seats. I don't, I don't get it. But lining up it just seems to be part of the experience at Dub Dub. Yeah. I mean, every not every session, but all the popular sessions, especially the lunchtime. Linecon. Linecon. Yeah, that's a term that uh, that's a term that me and my wife use for uh, f- for when we when we're at Comic Con and lining up, and because it's because lining up is half the experience. It's where you meet people. It's where you get to, you know, you you actually get to have conversations with other people and talk about things that you might have in common. Um, and it's, I mean, it's kind of easy to do that at a place like Comic-Con where even though that there's a lot of people that are, you know, got different interests, you're generally lining up for the same thing. Um, but even more so at Dub Dub, I would, I would think. Yeah, because, it's true. Because, I mean, I mean, you're all there for the one thing. Like, I was kind of sad when I woke up at eight, well, eight o'clock in the morning, and I saw all these tweets from all my friends who had been lining up since three thirty, and they'd met cool people, but they were still in the line since three thirty. And I was just like, uh, well, at least I'm going to be awake at lunchtime. They were all half dead. Yeah. Um. And you still meet people during the rest of the week, and I joined every other line during the week. So I think it was the right decision. Although I'm probably going to get a whole pile of hate mail now. Yeah. Oh, you don't deserve a ticket. I stayed awake all night and still didn't get one. But oh well. So, what about uh, what about actual presentations? Are there mm-hmm. any any that you can kind of? Because I mean, we can't talk about, and we've already discussed this prior to actually recording. But uh, we can't really talk about anything specific because of NDA. Um. So. Those of you who are hoping that this week's episode was going to be like a recap of all the new stuff that's in in uh, redacted, <laughs> or if you don't have a developer account, this was your source for all the inside gossip, then you're sorely out of luck. Uh, so, but what I think we can do is kind of list off for those who have got a developer account who can go online and watch the videos. Maybe we could kind of. Well, I haven't watched them yet because I've I've been developing all week, and I uh, <laughs> it was making me sad to sit there using Xcode four while they're demonstrating all the new cool stuff in Xcode five. So I just decided to wait. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that sounds good. We can do that. So yeah, maybe you can give an idea of some sessions that you thought were. Sure. So the first one is probably obvious, but everyone should be watching the State of Union because that's like your general overview yeah. of what's to expect during the week. So I did watch that one and there is a lot in there. Um, I mean, they, they talk about, they obviously don't just talk about uh, iOS. Uh, they, they talk about uh, OS ten as well. Mavericks. Mavericks. Um, so, I mean, there are going to be those of you out there who have got, uh, who are Mac developers as well as iOS developers, and that's probably good for you. But either way, they are uh, they in the State of the Union. They actually did talk about some cool stuff, like uh, the, they well, they, they kind of broke down on the game controllers stuff a bit more. Yeah, so the game controllers are awesome. Yeah, and it kind of makes it look like Apple maybe are taking gaming a bit more serious. I really hope so because I I can't I, like games playing games on the touch screen. Are just it's so limited. Like some of the games that come out, they 
they really could use some physical, you know, something physical to actually control them with because you yeah, require right. that feedback. And Some games are great on touch. I mean, if you design a game from the start to take advantage of touch, like look, look at Flight Control, for instance, yeah. just as an example. Exactly. And there's no reason why you couldn't create games that are, you know, that are touch-driven and touch, you know, and, and, you know better with touch. But... Uh, there are certain games that would be amazing to be able to play them on your f- iPhone, mm. uh, but to do so really kind of requires the physical buttons. And uh, oh, game controllers, I'm so excited! And yeah. we, like we knew we knew it wasn't ever going to have like the game controllers on iPhone were ever going to really take off until Apple did something with them. Uh, and the the idea was originally that they would you know, they would create their own game controller, which was probably never really going to happen mm. this is probably the best solution because uh because it means that there are companies out there who already make great game controllers for other consoles who can now make game controllers for iphone that are just as amazing yeah so what they what they did is they just basically made a standard because there are a few companies out there that were already making game controllers right but you had to integrate their frameworks yeah i mean they're all different yeah there's that Arcade one or whatever it is. They yeah, the framework. Arcade. Yeah, because they, they have one. They have like stuff for the the phone, and they have a like an arcade box for the yeah. iPad and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we had a look, and it's you have to implement a framework for every single controller. But now Apple have sort of come out with a standard, so you you only have to integrate that one, and it's first party, which makes it really easy. Yeah, and it means that and then it'll work. It means that anybody will be able to, you know, use their game controller with any game, and it, like it, you won't have to be like, oh, well, like this game doesn't support mine, mm. or you know, I don't, my my one doesn't have much support in games or anything like that. It's just you know, as long as they support the Apple API, which I'm sure that most of the game controllers that are out there now will kind of, oh, for sure, you'd have to. That they'll they'll uh, move to that and. Um, It'll be amazing. Yeah, so, I'm so excited. And let's hope. I know it's speculating, but does this mean that we're going to see an Apple TV SDK? Is this like the first step? I think because we, we talked about this on the last episode, mm, and we didn't um, get it again. We didn't get it again. I think this is probably moving towards that. I would think. I mean, we've got Bluetooth keyboard support in the Apple TV now. Which oh, came, I didn't know that. Which came, a f- like, maybe the last update or the update before that. Uh, so, you can... I mean, it's, it's a bit it's a bit flaky. Um, I, f- I find that if my keyboard turns off, then I try to, you know, turn it on the keyboard. I have to actually go in and physically re... You know, do the whole pairing, pairing. thing again, yeah. uh, which is a pain. But, um, I mean, it's really useful when it's on there. And I think that... <laughs> Everybody, anybody who has ever tried to type a password with the little uh, remote knows how how useful a keyboard would be. I always use the app. Them. Don't you have the app? On I your have phone? the app, but it's like you know, I have to pull out the app, and it's, you know, yeah, that's you know, true. Keyboard is just there, and it's just and don't have to you know find the app and find the phone and do all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, no, I think this is probably a good you know first step towards that towards a SDK on the Apple TV and hopefully that will happen and we'll get we'll get some I mean it, it could be that they've the reason that they didn't mention anything is because they're waiting for a uh, maybe they're going to do an update to the Apple TV to 
to uh, kind of boost its power a little bit to be able to handle that. Mm. Well, apparently it had a silent update to boost its power. <laughs> oh, did it? And they claimed it was to sort of... It has the chip from the iPad 3. I don't know which one it is. But anyway, it has a more powerful chip than the original Apple TV 2 did. And they claimed it was to... um. You know, for efficiency in the factory, so they yeah. could use the same die cast or I don't understand yeah. much about it. But so I have heard it already is powerful enough to run yeah. apps that your iPad does too. So see, other, we will wait the other, and see. The other uh, solution that people think that it might be is that there is uh, is that there is like the Apple actual Apple TV, like the TV TV, yeah, TV. Uh, is somewhere on the horizon. Uh, and that that could be, you know, they could be waiting to release that before they actually release an SDK for it. So, who knows? Who knows? It'd be nice. But onto something more concrete. Presentations. Yes. Uh, so, the State of Union also went into a lot about what's new in Xcode 5. Xcode 5 is really cool. And there is a lot new in Xcode 5. There is a lot new in Xcode 5. <laughs> Which is definitely required viewing is the first session yeah. from Tuesday is what's new in Xcode 5. and. Probably yeah. the thing I'm most excited about, and we can't talk about it because it was in, I believe, the State Union. Ah, close enough. Um, is the continuous integration stuff? Yes. So you I've can seen have people a... talking about that outside of Apple forums. Yeah, so, so we can reference. I them. think we can reference them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, now, I mean, if anyone's tried to set up a build server before, we use Jenkins at work, and it's pretty annoying to set up. There's this massive script you got to. Try and work out all the details for to get all your IPAs building correctly and then signed correctly, which is a pain. And then it doesn't work, and you got to sit there going, "Why aren't you working?" There's no like real good feedback. And finally, Apple have their own built into the next OS X server, um, and it will build. So you set it up with these new things called bots. Yep, which have cool icons. Very cool icons. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think all the icon team spend all their time working on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, not going into that. Um, but anyway, you set up a bot, so you can set up a bot to say, build my project every night, like a nightly yep. build, or build my yep. project on every push to Git or SVN or whatever version control you use. And it will, yeah, it will build it and it will report back saying you've had two errors or hopefully you have no errors, but... It also does your unit testing, which they're really pushing now. So they've done yep. a massive upgrade to their testing suite, which was OC unit before, and now it's called XC unit. So they even gave it a fancy new prefix for Xcode. Mm. It's so so integrated now. Um, yeah, and it will give you a graph of your previous test results, so you can see like your decreasing and failures, hopefully. Yep. Um, and it will also allow team members who aren't necessarily developers, so your designers or whoever else is in your office, you can. Go onto a website and they have a fancy status board looking Yeah, I saw thing. that. Um, and you can download the latest build onto your device so there's no more, hey, can you just give me a build? And you plug into the developer's computer. So, okay. yeah. So, not Wi Fi building then. We've got kind of building and Close. then you can. You can yeah. You can, it's uh, kind of like internal. over the air type Internal thing. test flight or hockey app. Yeah. You just have to be on the network. Which is fine. Like that, that yeah. works. And that you could set it up well. through VPN if you wanted to. So, you could have builds from anywhere but hmm. up to hmm. you so yeah that was exciting uh, another thing in xcode 5 is a completely revamped auto layout yes Thank i've heard about that god because <laughs> um, the last one was almost unusable um the new one apparently i haven't tried it out too much except for messing around a little bit is a lot better so it will never remove constraints that you've added yourself oh good 
which was so I don't know if anyone used the last auto layout, but generally my experience was you got it working perfectly and it took you half a day and you're like, okay, don't touch it. Because <laughs> if I touch it, it will change everything house, and I'll have to start again. Yeah. And then you get along and the your designer goes, Oh, can we add an extra label or something really simple like that? You put that label in and then boom. Everything breaks. Good, goodbye auto layout. Yeah. And you gotta start again. So yeah, that problem is apparently solved. Oh, excellent. Um, and you also don't have to add constraints. So previously you had, if you had constraints that were, um, so there had to be a solution to the auto layout problem in Xcode 4. Mm-hmm. So everything had to be constrained. So auto layout knew where to put it, basically. Um, in the new one, apparently, I haven't actually tried this, but apparently you don't have to have a solvable problem. It will just stay fixed to where it is in your storyboard nib, whatever you're using. And then you can constrain it so it moves around properly. Yeah, I think like it, it. It was pretty much that um, they had rather than constraining, having to put constraints on everything. It just kind of figures them out based on what you've already asked for. Yeah, um, which is really really nice. Because and the other one sometimes was sometimes you only really wanted to do things like okay, I want the you know this side to snap to this side of the screen, and that's that's all I want to set, and everything else just you know gets worked out from that. Yeah, so the other one was you can actually delete automatic constraints. In Xcode 4, when you sort of turn on auto layout, Xcode adds a whole pile of what it thinks the correct constraints are. And there was no way to delete them. The only way to get rid of those constraints if they weren't what you actually wanted was to sort of add your own that meant a similar thing, if you know what I mean. Yep. And that was sometimes a pain to try and work out what it was expecting from you. You're just like, I just want to pin this to the left, but it doesn't let you do that. It's still pinned to the right and the top in the child view and every other view. And yep. so finally, it's gone. You, um, can, you can delete that stuff, which so was annoying you. Yeah. So it almost, they also made it sound like, they never actually said this, but it's sounding like auto layout is almost compulsory now. Um, so for instance, especially if you want to support iOS 6 and iOS 7, Mm-hmm. Um, your control sizes are all different. Yeah. So the only way to really solve that nicely is with auto layout because it will automatically adjust to your bigger height of your new switch. Or... So maybe it's not that it's compulsory. Maybe it's just that it's... It's the only real it's solution. Only really, yeah, it's the only real option that you've got. Um, because, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've done a little bit of playing with iOS 7 and building my apps in in Xcode 5, and it's not pretty, um, I'm going to have to do some work. And I think that's probably going to be the case for most everybody out there. Yeah. Like I, there are, I mean, there's a few apps that in their current state, they run on iOS 7. Um, and, but it's not going to, like, that's not going to really, uh, like that's not going to be some, something that you can keep keep up forever. Like eventually, you're going to have to move forward and use like new APIs. You, you know, build for once you start building in Xcode five, it's going to start. You know, it's going to start. You know, looking different in in iOS seven. You've got to mm. you've got to be able to deal with that. So you know, using auto layout is really the only option if you're going to be using especially standard stuff. If you're using everything as custom, you can probably get away with uh, with what you had going before. But you know, most of my apps use fairly standard kind of looking interfaces. Um, so, and the problem most apps I seem to be having is that the status bar is now not 
a sort of fixed item. It's now yeah. sort of floats on top. So you've just yeah. your whole view is now just jumped up ten points or whatever, however big the status bar is. That's what I've noticed. It seems to be the first problem everyone faces. I mean, there's definitely way heaps more, but there's, that's there's heaps more. That that is one of them. Um, the other I, the other one that I'm I'm finding a lot is that they um, is that apps that just use tint colors on the bars. They're not uh, tinted anymore. Yes, they, the now tint, tint dis- color to the text on the buttons. Yeah, but is it, that right? I, I, I think it might be an actual bug because I don't think it's supposed to do that in like when it's built for a previous version of the SDK. It's supposed to just stay looking like it was. Yeah. But now it's they've they've broken it anyway, and it, so they all, all the apps that have tinted col- bar colors, uh, all like the standard blue. Did you file a radar jelly? No. <laughs> How are they meant to know? Uh, I should probably do that then, hey. <laughs> um, I have filed a couple of radars for, for iOS. So. Yeah, me too. They get yeah. marked as duplicates very quickly. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of them are going to be stuff that people have already noticed and filed. Yeah, so um, another talk I thought was really good was actually on the last day, mm-hmm. and it was um, we just looked up the name of it. What was it? Hidden Gems in Coco? Yeah, that's, that's the, one. the one. So everyone should watch that if you're a developer. It was awesome. Um, I won't tell you too many of the tips, but so the the talk was on 30 tips that you might not have known about Coco, and it sort of start with generic stuff, and then they go into iOS and Mac separately, or actually UIKit and AppKit. Um, but it has Matt with three T's in it from Ennis Hipster. Matt Tatata. Matt Tatata. As we like to call him. And he's a very good speaker. And here's some cool tips. I mean, I'll admit some of the tips they give you, you probably won't know, but you'll also probably never use. But yep. they, they do them and it's funny. So it's, de- it's definitely nice give it a watch. Them. Yeah. Um, definitely watch that one because I did learn a few things. For instance, I never knew about NS Expression. Have you ever heard of NS Expression, Jelly? No. So NS Expression is the class that backs Spotlight. So I don't know. Pretty much everyone's probably noticed you can type mathematical expressions into okay. Spotlight and, you know, you type 3 plus 5 times 8 and it will tell you the answer. Yep. So, yeah. And it's expression. So, you can... You can pass you in can... math expressions and it will tell nice. you the answer. That's cool. And see, I knew a, a very hacky way to do that before and now I feel like a a sham because <laughs> you can... Uh, I don't think that makes you a sham. I just think that makes... That it it means that now you can you know, you've got a whole bunch of code that you can just delete. Well, I'll that's tell you what my solution thing. was, and then you can go. Okay, that's pretty bad, Ben. Okay, come on. Tell so, me the solution. You can pump expressions through a web view and run them as JavaScript. <laughs> brilliant. That is brilliant. Uh, very hacky. Yeah. So web view has a method called evaluate string as JavaScript. Yep. I think something yep. like that. So you can put your Expression in there, stick a semicolon on the end, and boom, answer. So is is that how you uh, powered Quick Math originally? Not Quick Math. Oh, okay. But other apps that weren't released, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm switching to NS Expression. Um, Excellent. Good plan. All right. So another thing that probably be very exciting to a lot of developers is the all the new multitasking features. So you can finally update your app. In the background. Um, so previously, apps that were already running, you could start a job that you had a max of 10 minutes to finish. So most yep. people use that to... Um, a lot of people use it just to close database you know, off and things like that. So that's not going to take 10 minutes. But some apps say like a Downloads. podcasting app. Yeah. 
Yeah, they wanted to download episodes. That, so you get a push notification saying, this episode is ready for download. But it wouldn't actually start downloading. You'd have to yeah. open the app. And, um, and then it would only run for like 10 minutes after you closed it. Yeah. And so you, uh, you'd get this message from some apps that were like, we've paused because we've only got 10 minutes to do it and we ran out of time. Yeah. So goodbye 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no more 10 minute limit. And all this stuff sounds terrible for battery life. Yeah. But they said they sort of um, batch network calls and things like that. So mail is always checking for new mail. Yeah. So it, it will put sort of network calls in with the mail call. Yeah. So things are going to take longer to download in the background than they did before. Yeah. So before you had a solid 10 minutes. Now you might have a minute on, a minute off, a minute on, whatever. Um, yeah, they didn't like give exact resume. details and it will pause and resume the task. But yeah. you have unlimited time to complete the task. Yeah. Um, another one which always bugged me about, say, Mailbox in the Gmail app was it would say, you've got new mail, and then you'd open it and have to wait for the mail. To actually Unlike the native mail client, which yeah. they didn't have to follow the rules. So this is probably an excellent thing for stuff like mail clients because that was always the problem was, like when Sparrow originally came to iPhone, um, there was the complaint that they that it was an excellent mail client, but they couldn't actually compete against you know the mail yeah. Built mail app because they couldn't, you know, do push notification, like, you know, pushing to the device when you got mail and stuff. So this basically means that you can now, uh, y- your app can wake up, check for, like, check for mail, check for stuff on the server, and then create, like, notifications and stuff to be able to actually, um, you know, simulate that sort of, that yeah. sort of behavior. And a push notification will actually it. wake up an app and allow yeah. it to process that. Yeah, exactly. Download so, the mail if, you know, or the so podcast or... for like podcasting apps, when they send the pod, when they send the notification to say, you know, th- this this podcast is now available, um, like you know, like came up earlier this morning when just after you arrived, and it yeah. said uh, new episode of Jelly and Bean is is available. That's a great podcast. I, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it'll just download it in the background, and um, and uh, it'll be done. Yeah. And especially weather apps as well. I mean, my favorite weather app, Pocket Weather. Uh, you open it up and it shows you the weather from the last time you checked, which might be maybe a couple of hours old, maybe a day old. But now they'll be able to just always be up to date with the yep. latest weather. Yep. Um, we love Pocket Weather. We do. And it's not that the app is always running in the background constantly pulling new weather. What it is is they have a feature that sort of learns when you use your apps in iOS 7. So, if you always check the weather every morning at 9 a.m., that's a very obvious pattern to see. But anyway, um, the app will get woken up at, say, 8.45 to download the latest weather. So, when you do open it at 9 a.m., it will be there. Um, but then it won't it won't get run in the background at, say, 4 p.m. if you've never opened the app in the afternoon. So, they're sort of learning your, your schedule, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of news apps are used at lunchtime during the lunchtime break. So, that was the example they gave. Yep. And it will just at around eleven forty five the news app will get its time in the background to run and it will download the latest news. So when you open it up on your lunch break, your news is there. Yeah. So basically it's all it's all designed so that uh the user doesn't actually have to wait for, for network calls to happen. They can or or other, you know, other tasks to, to happen. Um they can just open up the app and it'll all be, already be uh ready to go. Yeah. Hmm. Lots of uses. And All right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be network calls. It can be anything because it's just your app is running in the background and you just basically can do whatever tasks that you need to do. Hmm. 
It could be like, like here's a crazy example that uh, that could could happen. Uh, let's say you have a game, mm-hmm. and uh, after a while, your game kind of start like uh, you know, it gets shut down, and so then it has to you know load up and go through a couple of loading screens. That could happen without like without actually having the app open. That could actually possibly happen. You could load all of your stuff. So if the app is if they're playing a game the game a lot, and you get these wake up calls to be you know to prep, um, you know for whatever time. You can have it all load up, and so when they actually go to play the game, there you, you're already that's a good point. You, you pull straight into it. I wonder like, if that is possible. I'm sure that that sort of stuff is possible. Like, I mean, you can't obviously you won't have like a UI that you can you can present, but you can certainly load all your load all the bits and pieces, and that's what that's the sort of stuff that takes all the time. Yeah, well, your loading in your games is generally taking your sort of textures from disk space and yeah. putting them in texture memory. Yeah. So yeah, interesting mm. thought. Surely that that's possible. So that's that's a uh, there you go. There's a tip. Whoa, I have to put that in. All right, next one yep. is UIKit Dynamics. Did you see UIKit Dynamics? Do you so, know what it is? So they mentioned this a little bit in the keynote, uh, and they kind of showed it off with by, with by displaying the home screen, right, which has got the little parallax kind of stuff going on. Oh, that's motion effects. Oh, is so it? So that's not UIKit Dynamics. But they did very talk, similar. They did talk. They also had uh, things like... Uh, all the animations are now controlled with um, with like a physics engine. Yeah. That's the one, yeah? That's right. So, um, I think they showed off the camera unlock, didn't they? Even if they didn't, the camera unlock now, previously when you tapped the camera icon on the home screen, mm-hmm. it would sort of bounce up and down to suggest, hey, there's something under here. Maybe you should yeah. drag me away. Um, interesting side story. I actually had a friend come up to me once and go, Ben, my camera's broken on my phone. I, when I tap this, it tries to load and then fails. So, didn't work on everyone, that animation. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the animations are just like, okay, that doesn't do what I thought it was going to do. But yeah. Um, yeah, so in iOS 6, it's a straight animation. So, if you tap it and then try and catch the window as it bounces, you can't. It's just playing an animation. In iOS 7... Um, UI kit now can be backed by a physics engine. So it's not necessarily playing an animation. Yep. It's actually moving as if it was a real object. So you can you can catch it as it falls back down if you want. Yep. And you can sort of throw it around. Yep. Um, Easter egg, if you bounce it so hard off the bottom of the screen, you can actually open the camera because it will bounce so <laughs> nice. high. <laughs> it will bounce cool. so high that the camera opens. But they use that for like transitions and stuff now too, don't they? That's right. So you can hook UIKit Dynamics up. It's just a straight physics engine that works on views, basically, and makes it really easy. So you don't really have to know too much about how physics works to understand how to use it. So they have, you know, a bounce action or a you can make two views connected together with a spring. Um, you don't have to understand too much about how it works underneath, which I thought was really nice because there were you could do all this stuff before. Yeah. You could hook a physics engine into your UI kit if you wanted to. Yeah, but it took a lot of work. It took some work, and you had to understand physics to know what to do because it was just forces and impulses and yeah and colliders. Um, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, and another example of where they use it is in messages. So if you scroll your messages, they all sort of seem to be have springs in between all of them, so they'll sort of yeah. bounce into place. Uh, I thought that was really cool. It's a very nice little. little I am kind of worried that. All apps are going to come out with these outrageous physics effects now that are way over the top because they're really easy to put in. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing is, is that most of the apps that you use on a day-to-day basis, they're not those apps that are going to be the ones to 
apps like uh you know like tweetbot or um you know the facebook app or you know what 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 have you the physics won't be something they're not going to like add all these crazy physics you know people who make you know apps in their spare time might do that you know that because they're like oh yeah i can put all these physics in it'll be amazing yeah. but most of those apps like uh, i mean i don't use those, those sort of apps on a regular basis sorry, sorry guys if that's if that's what you actually do but you know uh you know the, most of the apps that i i, I use are, are pretty tasteful about you know design and and, and development uh so you know it, it stands to be seen that you know i don't think that those guys I don't think our listeners are the types of people who are just going to, you know, go go all crazy with. Uh, well, with I might do it to make my designer actually design something. So <laughs> you could, you a, a could do the uh, because uh, Shifty Jelly. Uh, well, yeah, Shifty Jelly do it. I previously did it with particle effects. So if I had a screen that I didn't have a design for yet, <laughs> every touch would launch some insane particle Part effect. effect that would just drive yeah. the designers nuts. And Shifty Jelly, every time uh, Russell creates a new. You know, new view or whatever. He makes it uh, pink. Magenta. Well, yeah, he uses pink Comic Sans labels, yeah. and yeah, and, I think uh, they look really good myself. And uh, to to make make the designer, you know, get on it. Mm. So I hope maybe we'll see some of that. Um, another thing with UIKit Dynamics is they showed some awesome examples hooking it up to a collection view. So it's really easy to do like dynamic yeah. layouts. Yep. And the examples were ridiculous. So watch the video to see some. There's one's kind of like a um, what are those things? They're like the Newton things where you drop the ball and it, it bounces. Newton's cradle. Yep. So you can do that in your oh, collection wow. view. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so what what video was that again? That was getting started with UIKit Dynamics. And also, there's a second one which is I think advanced techniques with UIKit Dynamics. Just any of them. They're both right. good. Yeah. Um, the introduction one has the cool examples to sort of sell you into it. The advanced one's more about how it actually works. and Sure. But they're still both worth watching. All right. Next video I thought was really good as a game developer was Introduction to SpriteKit. Okay. So SpriteKit is an actual 2D game engine first party by Apple, which was pretty amazing. That's nice. So everyone sort of uses Cocos 2D normally. I yep. mean, you might write your own. Um I know tr- a few people have written their own. There's- yeah, I mean, you can write your own engine in OpenGL, but it kind of seems... I think it's kind of crazy unless you really want to do something insanely custom. I don't know. Some There there are people like like myself who just like the, the task of writing something inane like that. I agree. It does sound like fun to write your own game engine. You're, you're talking to a guy who... Just yesterday, I spent all day writing a PHP class to uh, to work with URLs. Pretty sure that probably already exists. I know. <laughs> I don't care. I wrote okay. it because I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So Sprite Kit has. It's not as fully featured as Cocos 2D, but it does have a couple of features that aren't in Cocos 2D, which are really cool. So one of them is that video is a first class object. So you can drop a video in and rotate it and move it around, just like any other sort of node in your game. Um, you can. Also, mask the video. You can have things fly in front of the video. It's, yep. it's as if it was just a sprite. Yeah, I saw. I, I think I saw that. That's so. It's yeah. It's like a. It. It. I think they introduced some of that sort of stuff last year for for images. Like they mm. they introduced. I mean, it wasn't with Sprite Kit, but you could do like proper masking and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's core image filters, and they're also supported by Sprite Kit. So you yeah. can filter your whole scene or just one node or. Yeah. Um. So that was awesome. And the other that's thing excellent. that Sprite Kit has is 
its own built-in physics engine, so they recommend definitely don't use UIKit Dynamics if you're making a game. Yeah. So don't make all your views um, your sprite and then use UIKit Dynamics to move those views around as if it was a game. Yeah. Uh, that's what SpriteKit's for. So SpriteKit has its own built-in physics engine, which is really tightly integrated, unlike other game engines where the physics engine is a separate entity. So yeah. It has no idea how you're actually drawing this information to the screen. It just tells you this view is now at this position and you can apply a force to it or whatever. Yep. Uh, in SpriteKit, every node, as they're called, has its own physics body. And once you attach a body to it, it will just run the physics and update itself. So you nice. add a body to the world to, say, collide with the edge of the screen or, and you add bodies to each of your objects and they'll all collide together. So there were some pretty cool examples. There's always cool That's examples cool. with physics engines. Um yeah, so that I think it's really good for beginners. I don't know if anyone who's already in the industry making games apps will actually switch to it. I don't yeah. see much point because there's no feature there that isn't in it, whatever engine you're currently using. Right, and it, and uh, in any case, like if you're already using an engine, it's unlikely that you want to put all your developers to learning this new. Yeah, I mean it's very tech. easy to use. I gave it a go. Um, but but it, you've got whole... for it's excellent for indie de- indie developers who it's just new guys who want to come yeah, in. They've always wanna, wanted to make a game. Yeah, they've always wanted to make one, but never could quite wrap their head around uh, Coco Studio or, or or whatever. It just took a lot of time because you had to learn how to code for iOS. And then you also had to learn this other third party library, and yeah. it's a whole another thing to learn. Now it's all and it's all it's integrated all in, in, in built, which is excellent. Yeah. Um. So that was really good. Another the next one that everyone was very excited about was TextKit. So Ah uh, yes. TextKit was is a sort of objective C wrapper around core text. Mm-hmm. Um and core text is a very low level but very powerful text library for laying out text and doing all sorts of text effects. So if you've ever tried to sort of lay out text yourself, just imagine how your text view, you know, it breaks the line when the word goes over the edge of the bounds and things like that. That oh. stuff's actually really hard. Yeah. You never really think about it. Um, yeah. So TextKit is now on iOS. It's a fully wrapped, fully featured text library. And they gave an example where um, they had a, a big text view, so just a paragraph of lorem ipsum, blah, mm-hmm. whatever the rest is. And they put a butterfly in the middle, and the text sort of automatically sort and, of laid out around the butterfly. And you can't really do that. Like, no. Pre, pre, no. I mean, you probably could that. if you were a genius. You'd have to You'd have to use a um, a web view, which is how I've always done that. That's right. Because there is no way of currently doing, uh, you know, p- putting images in the middle of stuff and having the text wrap around it. Yeah. So, and then Amazing. even better, they then started to move that butterfly around. So it's not just a like once off thing. You so can move the, That's the, so good. I it was pretty s- amazing, I have to I say. I can see somebody using that to, uh using that tech to make their own, you know, you know, rich text editors. Oh yeah. That would be good. Um Yeah, so there's not much to say about it. It's just watch the videos if you use text or have any use for text. Oh um, look, I, I think I think it's important that you should watch the videos anyway. Typography is a very core part of design, right? And, and in iOS seven, and they mentioned that. And in iOS seven, it's 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 very uh, prominent. And so, you know, if you can if you can do anything to improve your sense of you know of good typography, then then you should do it, absolutely without question. Uh, 
just you know so go and watch the videos for for the uh, for the text kit stuff because yeah if you can improve the typography in your app you're you're you know 25 steps ahead of everybody else who who can't so all right next session is the yearly scroll view talk so this is uh, their yes. sixth year they are all worth watching so scroll views they're always worth watching yeah yeah scroll views are amazingly um What's the word? Generic? I mean, you can do so much with them that you would just not think about because it's just a scroll view. Yeah, they're, prob- they're probably just about as uh, as generic as, you know, the UI view is, which yeah. is, you know, uh, they-, they just so happen to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to move their content up and down. Uh, but yeah, you can use, they're so flexible and you can use them for anything, so... Um, so this year's one, they sort of went over how to do the effect that you see in messages in iOS 7. Oh, nice. So it's a full little... talk to show you how to do the springy yeah. messages. And the best part about it was they sort of put up the example and say, all right, let's 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 do this. And they, they show you how they're going to do it. And you're like, yep, that's how I would have done it too. It makes sense. And what they do is they attach a spring to each sort of message. Yeah. Um, and then they scroll it and you get no springing and you're like, what what's going on? And what's happening is because they all have the exact same spring on them, they're all springing at the exact same rate, and so you don't really see any and you spring. You don't see it, yeah. Um, and so it's like, ah, oh, this makes so much sense how they're breaking it down like this, and then they yeah. show you how to fix that, which just happens to be the further away from the center the spring is, the more it gets deformed. Um, but yeah, what, watch the video. There's another one. They there's two effects they demonstrate. The other one is how they do the um the scroll on the lock screen. So when you scroll the lock screen, it scrolls across to the the keypad unlock. Ah, uh, yes. And it's like it's one swipe. scroll view that scrolls a little bit. Yep. And then it starts to pull another scroll view, which is a pretty cool effect. That's um, cool. Yeah, and they they go over how to do that, and it's the same thing again. So you go, ah, oh, this is how I would have done that. You'd say like once the offset gets to wherever you want to start pulling, just start pulling the other one. Yep. Um, and it doesn't work, and you're like, ah. Oh. And what actually happens is the first scroll view actually starts to scroll at double the rate. And so they go over all of that, and it's just really cool to watch them, the thought process, and it really makes you understand it a lot better than if they just showed you how to do it and you go like, yep, that's definitely how I would have done it because I'm a really smart developer. So, I mean, obviously that, that, that pulls into the like the physics engine as well. That's yeah, built yeah. In the both of it UI dynamics. UIKit dynamics. That was pretty heavy. I guess it's a sort of show feature. Of yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's very fancy, so it looks good. But, uh, yeah, scroll views, very good. Definitely and worth watching. Scroll views sort of leads to the fact that uh, the next talk, which is custom transitions using view controllers. So you could always do custom transitions using, say, render in context, and then you don't do a transition and then fake it, basically. Yep. So you go straight to a new view, and then you overlay a view of your old view, and then do something fancy with it. Yeah. Um, Now it's built in, so no more hackiness about render in context and all that. That's good. Um. View transitions are fully customizable, and the best part about it is they have a, a progress property. So you can tie the transition to a gesture. Say yeah. you were dragging your finger across, um, and then you start to drag back again. You could play your animation to a point and then start reversing it, and, and that stuff's all all built in. And they showed off some pretty cool examples in that video as well, or that session. Um, and so that's going to be pretty big. They're using it a lot in the Photos app. That's sort of what they went over. So the new Photos app is a collection view in a collection view in a collection view. So you sort of scroll. When you get deeper and deeper, it goes to individual photos and you yeah. scroll out to, it's like events or something. And yeah, then from you, there, you scroll you, out to years, yeah. something like that. But the effect is really cool and you do it with a pinch and you can go in and out 
Um, and it, but it's good. actually transitioning between view controllers when it does that. It's not the same collection view. Yeah. And there's a whole pile of fanciness they go over about how they achieved that. Um, but that was really interesting, and hopefully that'll lead to some really cool new apps. And we'll put all these links to the session names in the show notes because yep. I don't think I can even remember where I started. It's all right. We, we'll uh, we'll put we'll put links to uh, each of the individual session videos or possibly just to the videos on uh, in the show notes. And you know what? I think that's it. I mean, there's a lot more. Those were the standouts for me. Um, okay. What else can we talk about? Well, <laughs> see, I have an app that I'd like to talk about, but I haven't really got. I haven't really used it properly yet. I have an app that I discovered yesterday. What's the app? It's called Oyster. I have not heard of Oyster. The idea, right, is that you have... I mean, I use regular expressions a lot, and any quite a lot of developers will you know, rely on regular expressions to do mm-hmm. mundane tasks. And they're a pain. They're awesome, though. They're, they're such, but they're such a pain to write, right? My uh, favorite XKCD comic is this guy sitting at a at a computer or something, and he's stuck. And a man flies in on like a Tarzan vine going, don't worry, I know regular expressions. We have yeah. to put a link to that because it's the best one ever. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll find the... You I'll find, find it, it for you. You find it, and I'll put, <laughs> I'll put it in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, so, they're a pain to write. Just in general. They are a pain to write. In general, right? Because you have to test them, and being able to test them it means, you know, mean probably writing some code to, to be able to do that. Uh, I, I've used, I've got a, like, I had a website that I used to, used to just pull up and, and, and test my regular expressions in, but it only tested for JavaScript and PHP. It didn't test for Objective-C, uh, which was, is mostly okay because they're fairly similar. You yeah, just there's, have to, there's slight you'd have differences, to kind of, right? you'd have to, there are, and you'd have to copy it into your code and just check to make sure it works, run it, run a few tests over it and stuff like that. Um, so I used that's I used to do that, but then uh, on top of that, right, writing a writing a regular expression in Objective C also means writing like several lines of code to actually get the expression mm-hmm. to actually do anything, uh, which is also a pain. Uh, mostly probably because I'm lazy, but you know, on top of that, you know, it's uh, the less lines of code that you have to write in a day, the better, uh, and the easier that it is to get something like a regular expression to work. Uh, the easier it is, uh, and you know the 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 better it's going to be for your you know, productivity. So this app Oyster is on the Mac App Store. It's a regular expression testing tool that you can just run like it's just an app, and you have a window where you can like a a text field where you can write your regular expression, and you can yeah, that's have great. some text, and it will you know run the regular expression that and that it's text. backed by the Objective C regular expression engine it's backed by it actually does them for a various all the various a whole bunch of various different ah. codes uh so it does php it does javascript it had a whole bunch of other stuff that i didn't really care about because you know the, the, those three languages are the ones that i i mostly work with so if it does javascript if it does php if it does objective c i'm i'm you know i'm happy uh but it does do other languages i'm pretty sure java's in there i'm pretty certain that uh like c uh, there are other C version, like C languages, in there as well. Uh, and here's the best bit: it has a thing where you can copy, and so you select the language that you want to use, 
and then you can copy the code. Ah, too easy. To implement that in your app. So you basically, you know, write your regular expression, make sure that it works, do all the testing in an app that's designed for, you know, testing regular expressions. Then you copy it and you just paste it in your app and it works. Amazing. So I'm sold. So good. It was like five or six bucks on the Mac App Store. I will link to it in the show notes. I haven't used it. Uh, I haven't used it yet. So that's um, that's that's my kind of warning. But the the premise is enough that I'm so keen on on actually uh, on talking about it. But I mean, my, yesterday I spent most of my time you know working working on building a class that deals with URLs. <laughs> Just for kicks. Just for kicks. <laughs> uh, because that's you know that's how I roll, but uh, yeah. So there you go. Not only did you get more of uh, WWDC than we even thought that we were possibly going to talk about, <laughs> but you also got a, a tip on on a great regular expression testing tool. Because regular expressions can, like, we can all use help with reg- regular expressions. It doesn't matter how good you are at them. Yeah, it's true. You can use like you can use every help that you can get, every bit of help that you can get. So there's that. And I reckon that's, you know, we can probably... Uh, Sounds good. It's a bit shorter than usual, but, you know, we haven't got Jake and he interrupts a lot. Yeah. Always talking, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> we miss you, Jake. Come back. We do. So, guys, if you would like to uh, if you'd like to check out any of the videos, we will uh, do our best to link to them individually. Otherwise, we'll just link to the page that you can actually find them on. Uh, and maybe I'll create a list of, of uh, videos if, if I can't list them individually. You can do that. We'll list. We'll put everything onto the website, uh, including Oyster, including uh, the XKCD comic. Yes. And uh, the website is mobilecouch.co forward slash eleven. You can also get in contact with us if you would like to tell us what your thoughts thoughts were on WWDC. Uh, we'd love to hear about that. If you'd like to tell us about uh, any of your, you know, what you do on a regular basis, you know, any sort of, uh, what would you say, procedures, uh, tips that you might have on how to, you know, how to how you do your job and things that other people could benefit from, we'd love to hear that sort of stuff. We'd love to be able to share that with, every, with everybody else. So get in touch with us. We have a website. You go to it, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. You fill out the form and it sends us an email and we, we all read it and we smile with with delight. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> as long as you're nice. As long as you're nice. <laughs> if you, if you're, our listeners are the nicest listeners ever, I swear. We, we You guys are the best. We uh, every, Everybody that's ever written to us uh, or you know posted a review on iTunes uh, has been Absolutely lovely. And we love the iTunes reviews. We love the, the iTunes reviews. You guys are amazing. Um, so thanks, thank you guys. You're amazing. Uh, and continue. You know, please, please continue sending us your tips, sending us your thoughts on on the topics that we that we uh, we discuss because we love hearing about that sort of stuff, and uh, it makes it makes our days just you know better. Absolutely better. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us individually, you can do that as well. Uh, ben is at Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E, and I am at Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being amazing. We look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks for episode 12. Bye. Bye.